Well, today we will be um, we'll be following through a sermon series about the Holy Spirit. Last week, Pastor Libby preached on the Spirit as the wind. Thank you. And today we'll be we'll be reading on and and talking about the Spirit as the fire. And today's passage is a little bit, uh, we'll be reading chunks here and a little bit of here and there, so we'll be jumping around. We'll start at Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, and then we'll touch on Acts chapter 1, 4 through 5, and skip to Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. So here we go. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Acts chapter Acts chapter 2 verses 1 to 4. When the day of the Pentecost came, they are all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of the violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw that what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The Spirit as fire. I don't know about you, but I love fire. There were uh, several days, uh, several ways my brother and I would spend time playing together. Um, one of them would be we would play soccer with the neighborhood kids. Um, the other thing we loved to do was climb trees. We would do that often, and would often fall. <laughs> but the other thing that we loved to do was to make campfires. I remember we would uh, go to the woods and we would pick up any uh, dry sticks and leaves and we would just make campfire. Fire was a very important thing in my childhood. It was, it was everywhere in everything we did. We had this small portable iron grill, I remember. Now in Paraguay, it's very hot, and during winter, it's very cold. You know, it goes without saying. Uh, but the thing about Paraguay is that we are prepared for the heat, and not so much for the winter. We do not have a heating system. And so this small portable iron grill was our heating source for the winter. It was our furnace. And as a child, the, the older folks would uh, put charcoal in and they would light it up and they would fan the flames and you can see the embers flying everywhere. And, and the kids, 
including me and I, I would uh, run around and pass through the embers. Uh, it was a fun time. Huh? <laughs> Fire is a life source. It keeps you warm and safe. And not only that, when you start a fire, it also lights the way. It protects. Fire is a very important thing. In fact, the ancient Greeks had uh, a well notion of fire as, as very important. I love myths. There's a myth of Prometheus. Now, like any myths, there are very variations and versions of the same myth, but one of them I like the most. My favorite one is where all the gods created the creatures in earth, and they tasked Prometheus and his brother Epimetheus to gift the creatures of earth with things that they would be able to survive with. And so Epimetheus started right away. He was known to be a very gracious lowercase god. <laughs> and so he would go around the world and he would give the gifts very liberally. He would give the gift of fur and wings. And finally, when he found mankind, he had already ran out of all the gifts. And he left humans uh, weak and vulnerable to the elements. And, and this is kind of funny because Epimetheus in Greek literally means hindsight. <laughs> ah. But here comes his brother, Prometheus, a titan god. And he has compassion for the creatures, especially the humans. And I think maybe Prometheus and Prometheus were kind of, you know, his brother was, was uh, perhaps uh, arguing with him why he forgot to bring enough gifts. But anyways, what Prometheus decided to do was to climb up Mount Olympus and bring back fire from the gods. Prometheus gifted mankind with the power of fire. But in doing so, he committed the ultimate sin. For fire is a very powerful and dangerous element, only meant for the gods. And Prometheus had taken it away he had stolen fire. Fire as an element has both a restorative and destructive attribute. Fire is life-given. It provides warmth and safety, and at the same time, lights up the darkness, exposing danger. With fire, we can fend off wild beasts and animals. With fire, we can hunt and cook. Just like water, fire is essential for our survival. In fact, nature itself depends on fire. 
some of the, the biggest pine forests in the West need wildfires. The ponderosa pine seedings, well, they cannot grow until the, the seedbed is scorched after a wildfire. And so from the ashes, there is new life. But when we talk about the Holy Spirit as an elemental fire, we have to think about it as something much more than just flaming tongues and flickering embers. In fact, there are, there are two main ways in which people thought of the Holy Spirit as fire. One of them is God's presence, and the other is purity. See, for the people of God, for Israel, God is the eternal fire that consumes and restores. We see this all throughout the Bible, in the Old Testament, in Genesis, when God made a blood covenant with Abraham. The passage tells us that well, Abraham divided the sacrifices. And as it is custom for a covenant of blood to be made is between two parties, you are to walk in between the divided animals and you are to say, may happen this, what I did to the animals, if I do not fulfill my covenant. It requires two parties. But in this occasion, Abraham fell asleep. And Genesis 15 tells us that it was late at night. And there was an ember, like a torch, who went forward between the animals. In fact, it was God himself as the torch of fire that made a covenant with himself and with Abraham. The presence of God also is manifested as a pillar of fire to guide and protect Israel by night. In, fire, in, in, in fact, fire was such an important ritual and part of the the Hebrews, and that the temple itself had what is called a candle, called the menorah. And this candle was to be in the place within the temple, and it is said that it contained the fire of God, and that the candle itself was, well, the priority of the priest was to keep it alight, the fire of the candle of the menorah was never to be extinguished. Fire is a powerful thing. In 1 Kings chapter 18, we're told the story of Elijah as he, as he sort of makes a bet with the people who were worshiping Baal and gives out a great sacrifice to God. And he said, 
God himself will consume the sacrifices. And the way, he, the, way the Bible shows Elijah making preparations is amazing. He dug out a big hole. He filled it up with water. I mean, you had to have a great fire to consume water and everything in it. Scripture tells us that the presence of God himself showed and devoured and burned everything there was in the sacrifice. Fire is necessary. Like the scripture tells us, the Holy Spirit is like the wind. And yet also, the Holy Spirit is like fire. Fire can mean passion. When you are on fire for something. And oftentimes we relate fire to being in love. Right? His heart is on fire for her. Um, Passion. Love, purity. But everything requires sacrifice. One of the things that uh, Israelites and the ancient world would use fire for, especially the silversmiths, they would, they would purge the dross from precious metal. And they had to heat the metal at such high temperatures that whatever impurities they were would float on top. And when I read today's passage about the tongues on fire, of fire that were upon everyone who were gathered together at the upper room, I think about what it would be like to be the recipient of the holy fire. Yes, we are Christians, and yes, we are in love with God, and yes, we must be passionate for the things of God and how God calls us to live a righteous life and to share the gospel. We are not only baptized by water, but also by fire. And as we just said, that fire is a powerful element. It burns, it consumes. In fact, our lives must be a sacrifice to God. So what I'm trying to get at is, work with me here. What I'm trying to get at is, To receive the Holy Spirit is to be consumed by the fire of God. To receive the Holy Spirit is to be purified, for that silversmith to take up the draws that is afloat in our lives, the dirt. 1 Peter 
Chapter 1, verse 2 tells us, it says, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, Spirit of fire, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for the sprinkling of His blood. In 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2, verse 13 says, but but we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification. Everything requires sacrifice. The world is always competing for your attention and your desire. There's always another high, another mountain to climb, another valley to cross. The heart is longing for meaning and fulfillment. If I only work harder, if I only make more money, if I only get the perfect relationship, if I only, if I only... Anything to cover that, that thing in our heart. Scripture tells us that as the people gathered together, they received the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't just so that they could speak in tongues and they could show off their gifts. No, this was not Prometheus climbing down Mount Olympus. This was, this was God himself consuming them, taking ownership of their lives and making them Apostles, sanctifying them. In the Church of Nazarene, we believe in entire sanctification. And one thing that I've learned is that being in this denomination, you, you, you can't really have entire sanctification without entire consecration. There cannot be perfect love without complete surrender. In fact, you won't even know you have been given yourself completely until you realize that you're dead to the world, burned to a crisp, And when you realize this, you know that you are alive in God. And once you are no longer afraid of death, you are no longer afraid of life. As we finish today's service, I want us to think about the ways God is speaking in your heart and the ways that he's showing you 
the dross, the dirt that is at the surface of your heart. The Holy Spirit is so wonderful and so, so awesome. And as we think about the fire, the all-consuming fire, I want us to think about what that symbolizes through Jesus Christ and what he did for us. I want us to think about the blood and bread, Christ's body and and the cross, and, and what that implies in our lives and in what we do. The road to the cross is not something that God just bears for us emotionally. It's literally tells, telling us the end destination is death. I don't know about you, but I want to constantly be purged of myself. I want to constantly be entirely purified by the fires. My prayer for you is that your life would be, that God would take your life and put you through the fire. And that you will realize that you're long gone. But God is in you, making you anew. Pastor Mika is talking about... um the story of Abraham and the covenant that God made with him, how God walked through the sacrifice for us while Abraham was asleep. Makes me think of of the night that Jesus was taken captive, the night before he died, when his disciples fell asleep. And Jesus went by himself to pray. And then scripture says that his he was like sweating drops of blood. He was the sacrifice that God made for us while we were undeserving. He walked through the fire before us. And in the years and decades to come, centuries and millennia that have passed, his followers have walked through fire too. And we are called to do the same.
So let us give thanks today for what Jesus has done for us, what God sent Jesus to do for us. We remember that his work does not end at salvation. It doesn't end with us getting, it's not all about us getting to heaven. It's about what God can do with us here and now as he refines us through fire. That night before Jesus and his disciples went out to the Mount of Olives to pray, he, he was having the Passover with them and he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. And he passed it around to his disciples. We had no clue what he was doing really. They'd been part of this ritual for all their lives. But when Jesus said, this is my body, sure, it threw him for a loop. And after supper, he took the cup of redemption and he blessed it and he drank from it and passed it around to them and said, this is my blood which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. So today, by eating the bread and drinking the cup, we proclaim his death, his resurrection. We proclaim his ongoing work in the world. We become part of that ongoing work through the Holy Spirit. And we will do this until he comes back. I invite you to come down the center aisle, take a piece of the matzah and dip it in the juice. And then you can come to the altar or you can return to your seat. Um, Come and prepare to receive from the Lord what he has to give you today.
Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for the work that you have done to save us through Jesus Christ. We thank you for your ongoing work to sanctify us, purify us, and refine us by your Holy Spirit. May your fire consume us this week and in, in, the, in the days to come till we are ever only all for thee. And we give you all the glory because you deserve it all. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.